Planet A, because there is no Planet B. Welcome to my podcast. I'm Manuel and here you will find recordings about different sustainability topics and interviews with inspiring activists. We only have one life and one planet. So make the best of your life and at the same time the world a better place. Hey guys, welcome to a new episode of my podcast. Today here with me is Nita, who is a marine conservationist and the co-founder of her project uh, Peak Under the Surface. Thanks for being here with me. Thank you very much for having me. It's so great. Um, so I would like to know, what do you do as a marine conservationist? Um, so basically, I do uh, the marine conservations as a part of my volunteer work. So it's not really something that I do okay. for a living, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, fortunately the company that I work for uh, is very conservation minded like. So like the owners are very like, um, they really support uh, the things that I do, especially when it comes to marine uh, projects. So for example, like we have uh, uh, coral restoration projects that we work with uh, together with Coral right. Triangle Center, and then we also have this coral restoration projects that we work with uh, Lini Aquaculture, which is in the north of uh, Bali. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing! Yeah. So yeah. the company that you work for is a sailing company, right? Yeah, so it's uh, an an Indonesian level board that operates mostly in Central and East Indonesia, where all the beautiful and rich reefs are located. So you yeah. see a lot of beautiful sights and places. Yeah, beautiful places, beautiful. So we go out uh, snorkeling, diving in these areas. Uh, we also visit uh, villages um, and uh, local people. Uh, we give out, uh, we distribute children's books about uh, ocean. And oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so in a way, local children can learn about the ocean and also learn English at the same time. Um, we also uh, have uh, water filters um, that we distribute to remote islands and or villages who do not have proper drinking water system. And we have a microplastic sampling device on board. So we filter about 100 liters of water from every stops uh, to see the level of microplastics found in the water as a part of our citizen science involvement. Um, mm-hmm. So at the end, when we take every of these samples, we record the GPS coordinate and then send back the samples to an organization that we work with, something like That's that. That's powerful. Yeah. What, what, do you, what do you find there when you take these samples? Is it shocking or? Um, so we are basically just taking the samples and then uh, okay. the organizations that we work with is the one that's using the data that we collect um, on board and then they will when they find a result, they will, um, you know, uh, show us. But basically, um, the company, uh, the organization that we work with was very interested in doing so because there was a recent um, uh, research that showed that uh, microplastics are mostly uh, found very heavily in uh, the Southeast Asia, especially Indonesia. That's why this organization would really love to back up that research. Yeah, yeah, I t- totally agree. Like when I go uh, diving or snorkeling, I, see, I find a lot of plastic in the ocean too. Like, yeah, do you see a lot of plastic? 
when you go go sailing and yeah actually we do <laughs> um <laughs> even um even when we go to remote islands uh where there are no people living there it's very sad to mm. see you know plastics uh, washed ashore and these plastics are not just from you know for example we go in the west uh, papua and then we would go to this island which is really beautiful white sandy beach beautiful corals and then you would see like oh, a wow. bunch of plastics um, um, on the shore and then like you just don't understand where this coming from but you can actually see where you know these products are coming not just from Indonesia but you know from all over everywhere so it's it's really really sad yeah I totally agree it comes from <clears throat> not from the locals not only from locals but from yeah from the whole world and it's washed up into the on the shore of islands so, so you want to do something about that, right? So you created this project, uh, Peak Under the Surface. What is it about? It started a couple of years ago when I visited some remote um, areas of Indonesia for work, uh, mostly the ones in the eastern coast of uh, Sulawesi. Um, so evidence of detonate mm. fishing along the shore and the amount of single-use products were an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable sight to see. I knew um, straight away something must be done, but I didn't know what and how. And then it came as a realization to me that uh, people will not protect what they never knew existed or not aware of the value and impact it has to them. So um, this project is really close to my heart, actually, and it hits home because I, too, back then did not appreciate what the ocean has to offer until I was able to see what's below the surface. From, you know, so yeah, so basically wow. back then I didn't know what corals were. I was like, corals were just stones. And then, you know, I went snorkeling, went scuba diving, and then I realized um, they don't look like stones to me. And then I learned more and more about marine biology. And then I understood that corals are not only they're not plants, they are animals. And then, you know, and then you learn so much. And then I wanted to learn more and more. So you know, from the moment I saw what's under the sea, um, I kind of vowed to myself to protect and preserve it. So this project... Yeah, you fell in love with the... Yeah, ocean. exactly. So this project is actually is an effort to stay true to that vow. Um, and um, for so long, I have witnessed many organizations fail to change the mindset of these people mm. because you cannot just walk in and say these people are wrong you know it will never work that way yeah. they will think that you are just an intruder or a stranger have no business in telling them what to do so when trying to change the way these people think um, a radical way don't always work especially in the long run mm. so what i'm trying to do is when i'm out sailing and we visit these places many many times in a month in a few months so they see my face they know me they start to trust me yeah, and then i can yeah we get to know them better see and learn everything from their perspective and then try slowly changing their um you know behavior, behavior yeah. yeah cool so um yeah so it's a, um, i read a little bit about it and it's also like a hundred goggles uh, project right yeah like uh, goggles yeah, uh, so I'm trying to uh, raise a uh, hundred goggles for now. Yeah. Uh, so uh, basically, what it, what happens is that 
these goggles will be distributed to the villages. Um, uh, you know, as I always said that um, you cannot love what you cannot see or knew existed. So these people know that they have, you know, uh, they have fish, but they don't know that these reefs they have to protect. They didn't know what it looks like. So I feel like, um, you know, giving them goggles, giving them the opportunity to pick what's under the surface is um, something that hopefully will be valuable. Yeah, that's, that's really amazing because I totally agree with you. Like, if you don't know what's under the surface, like, uh, you, you can't, you don't appreciate it. And that was also for me, like, when uh, I spent so much time in nature the last few years and I felt so in love. So I right. do now everything to uh -huh. protect it. And I love uh, that mindset that you have. Exactly. And I I also would like people to know that there are many fishers are playing a role uh, when it comes to unsustainable practices that's being done by fishermen along the coast of Indonesia. Um, um, one of which is because it's an easy and quick money. Uh, these people live below the poverty line. All they think about is how to provide food for the family, right? Yeah. Many, many of them struggles to feed their family day to day. So when an opportunity to make quick money like detonate fishing arises, they quickly jump into that opportunity. Okay. So we need to also think from their perspective as to why they're doing such things. So we, we need to put ourselves into their shoes. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And another factor is actually because they don't know. They just simply don't know the effect of detonate fishing practice has to them directly. What is the uh, definite fishing directly? Uh, so they they don't know, uh, you know, the effect of detonate fishing practice directly, which means mm. like if they detonate the whole reefs, you know, there will be all the corals are dead. There will be no more fish. So what it has uh, the effect to them is that they have to go fishing more and more far away from where they live because right in front of their their village, for example, there is no more fish. You can't fish anymore. You have to go further away. So what I think is very important is education. So education is a very main key. You know, with education, it can help them in two, many, in two ways. Uh, one is give them a chance for a better life opportunity, hence not just making a living out of fishing, but also something else which hopefully will take them out of living be below the poverty line. And then the other thing is to give them a new perspective in how unsustainable fishing practice hurts them directly and economically, both in short and, you know, a long run. Hence the goggles basically yeah because then they can see also the problem like when they destroy something they can see the effects and yeah it's it's also a cool metaphor like really nice so you will bring the goggles um first time in a few weeks to them or yeah yeah first time will be at the end of april uh i'll be out sailing for a couple of weeks and uh I was thinking, you know, which village will have the most uh, big impact on this. And I have decided that there are two villages that uh, that is appropriate to to uh, distribute these goggles. Yeah. Uh, one of them is Bungin village. It's in uh, west of Sumbawa. It is the second biggest 
uh, Bajau village in Indonesia. So if you don't know what Bajau is, Bajau is a sea gypsy tribe. Yeah. Um, yeah so um, well, basically, I think it's appropriate because they are they make a living out of fishing. So it's very appropriate to teach them about uh, you know sustainable fishing. And then the second one is uh, a village close from the Komodo National Park mm-hmm. called um, Sangean uh, Village, which is located in a volcanic island, and they built a traditional uh, pinisi boats um, over there as well. So you know these two village, I've seen them being a little bit not so sustainable when it comes to fishing and yeah. when it comes to uh, plastics um, so this is a very good opportunity to start you know try to educate them a little bit that's that's awesome are these um, are yep. only for kids or also for adults uh, I for now um, I only give to children so um, because you know older people are a little bit more how do I say this daft yeah, they are too fixed in their mindset. Yes, exactly. They're easier to <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it's a little bit hard to tell them, don't do this. And they're like, well, I've been doing this for years. No problem. I'm like, okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? So, um, you know, that's why I want to start with the children, you know, because, you know, one thing we can all be certain of is that we will not always be around. And one day each of us will die. When that happens, what will be our legacy we have a duty to benefit and serve our society as best as we can and that includes how we prepare the next generation you know if we can help them understand the importance of protecting the environment where they live in uh, starting as young as possible uh, hopefully they will grow up with the correct you know mindset that's really beautiful said Yeah, <laughs> totally do. I, yeah. I agree. Like, um, we should all leave the world behind to make it, made it, uh, like making it a better place. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Nice. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite uh, place in Indonesia? For the underwater world. Yeah, underwater world. Um, that would be um, Raja Ampat. That's for sure. Oh, I wanna go there. Um, like, it's I've heard so <laughs> many beautiful things about Raja Ampat. <laughs> yes. And Raja Ampat is beautiful, not just under the water, it's also above the water, it's also beautiful and has so many history, natural history. And uh, they've got jellyfish lake, um, stingless jellyfish lakes in Raja Ampat, um, yeah. uh, which can only be found, I don't know how many, like there are not many in the world. So it's one of the unique selling points of Raja Ampat, which is really nice. Hmm. Oh yeah, you have to go there. It's really yeah. nice there. It's on my bucket <laughs> list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you seen like any differences um, in the marine life compared to a few years ago? Like, uh, what, is there an increase of plastic pol- uh, pollution or coral bleaching? Um, so th- there was an interesting comment from my guest. Um, uh, last year, so he came to Raja Ampat because he, you know, he heard that Raja Ampat is one of the most uh, biodiverse marine life in the world, yeah. mm-hmm. and he came with very high expectation, you know, that there will be no plastics and you know these kind of things. And when he came and he saw plastics when we were out in the water, he's like, 
Nita, I did not expect to see any plastics. And I'm like, well, you know, the tides, the currents. And of course, there are, there is, as, as far as I know, there is no proper waste management yet in in Raja mm-hmm. Ampat. So everything is just, you know, go in a landfill and then burned or yeah. I don't know, you know, there is basically no proper waste management yet. So yeah. it is kind of sad uh, in terms of the plastics uh, pollutions, uh, but in terms of um, in terms of coral bleaching, uh, surprisingly, uh, Raja Ampat is to be found as one of the most resistant when it comes to uh, water, sea temperature level uh, rises. So there has been some studies being done. So yeah, the most of these. Uh, corals around Raja Ampat is very resistant. That's why a lot of people are saying let's protect it because this is the last, you know, piece of paradise that we we have in the world that is very resistant. Because as you know, in Australia, the Great Barrier Reef, the bleaching is just insane there, and mm-hmm. and that's why a lot of people are you know racing to protect uh, Raja Ampat. So there are many organizations working together. It's amazing to see what's being done in Raja Ampat. In Mizul, for example, there is a there is a Mizul Eco Resort uh, conservation, and then basically every homestays or resorts that are in Raja Ampat, they work together trying to make you know try to protect Raja Ampat from uh, you know the coral bleaching and from the plastics and you know that kinds of stuff. But it's amazing to hear that in Raja Ampat it's like still very very good even though there is plastic but i would say like you can't find any beach or place without signs of plastic pollution exactly yeah, yeah. because the, the ocean like it's just open <laughs> it's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true so i'm like yeah well the only thing that we can do is just try to get the plastics out yeah and whenever we like, can yeah Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. Just to not to create even more waste, in my opinion. So you dive a lot, right? And um, uh, yes, yeah, snorkeling and uh, scuba diving. Yeah. I always see like your pictures on Instagram and look so so cool. Like uh, species that I've never <laughs> or fish that I've never seen seen before. What is the yeah. coolest thing you have seen underwater? or your best experience diving the coolest thing i've seen was uh, a dugong then dugong dugong, dugong looks, looks like a seagull oh sorry sea lion ah. so sea, not seagull, sea lion. yeah yeah sea, sea lion yeah in raja ampat that was the coolest thing cool. yeah <laughs> i was like oh that is so cool <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was one of the coolest things. And also um, uh, to see, uh, was it called, I think it's called Papua's Wobbegong Shark. So it's like uh, some kind of uh, uh, ca- carpet shark species that is uh, on that is found in Raja Ampat. So cool, like I'm getting so excited. Uh, yeah, I want to go cool. by tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Do it. <laughs> yes, definitely. So if I, if I would go, like uh, I would, uh, you only can go there by boat, right, Raja Ampat? 
uh, <clears throat> yeah, so you would fly from here to Makassar and then from Makassar to Sorong. Mm -hmm. And then from Sorong, you can decide where you want to stay because Raja Ampat is a very, very big area. Uh, you can either go there by boat, like leave a board, uh, so you get to experience the whole Raja Ampat, or you can choose one uh, island and then stay there and go around, um, something like that. Wow, that sounds yeah. really cool. Yeah, <laughs> it is. <laughs> and and uh, different areas of Raja Ampat different, uh, offers different kind of experience, so uh, it's very, very exciting. It's a, it's a lifetime experience that you will never forget, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. And I've I've been to Raja Ampat for so many times. It's never a boring moment. There's always something new that you something see. Something new happening. Exactly. Yeah. That's amazing. How can people uh, help protect uh, the ocean or Raja Ampat? <laughs> and yeah, what would you say? Um. So I would say uh, get to know the ocean better because, mm -hmm. um, you know, not a lot of uh, people actually know that, you know, because uh, the oceans are, you know, 75% of this planet and provide through phytoplankton, seaweed, algae, and coral reefs, actually the oxygen that we breathe. So it's, not only, not only trees. yeah, it's not yeah. only the trees, the forest, yeah, exactly, but it's also the ocean. So it's very important to uh, keep the reefs healthy, keep them healthy and alive. Um, so supporting non-government organizations, uh, that's for sure. You know, help out any organizations that works on uh, the ocean that mm -hmm. is either locally or globally, like. For example, like Green Fiends and Shark Guardians, or you can also support, like in Bali, for example, we have CTC, the Coral Triangle Center, and uh, we also have Lini Aquaculture Training Center. You know, there are so many, so many uh, ocean organizations out there that you can, um, you know, support either, you know, uh, by giving money or actually be a part of it. Plant a coral, for example or adopt a coral. And um, also, I would say it sounds cliche, but I would say start small and start from yourself and from your own uh, local society. Yeah, lead, lead by example. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. That, that's a good one. Like also like um, like that reef, um, what is the sunscreen called that is not polluting the sea? Yeah. Like all these little, all these little things. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And uh, my second message would be is that the world has a serious problem. We are pushing the planet towards a tipping point where the corals die and the forest burns and life becomes much, much harder. Um, we actually have the resources to solve the problems even now, but politics get in the way. So don't vote for politicians who don't care about the environment and try to push your yeah, local authorities point. and government to fix our planet into their agenda. Like, that was powerful. Uh, have you seen last Friday how many people came together for the climate strike? Yeah. Like 1.5 yeah. million. That's so um, a huge number. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, keep pushing your local authorities and government to, you know, 
fix our planet into their agenda basically yeah because we have the power like exactly. when we all come together yeah we decide where it's gonna go yeah exactly <laughs> yep and we and we need to act like as you said really soon because like when the temperature is rising to two yeah. degrees it's like really yeah not looking good for us exactly <laughs> it affects you know the corals and it affects actually everyone mm. yeah also with the plastic like the plastic comes back to us because we eat fish and it's like uh yeah. <laughs> exactly but here's the thing i've i've said something like that to a person and this person comes back to me and said well i don't eat fish so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah okay you didn't it's really, really... Get it. <laughs> <laughs> so now and then now i i said i said to him okay you don't eat fish but do you put salt in your food and he said yes and i said okay do you know that there was a research that found 70% of table salts in Southeast Asia alone are contam contaminated with microplastics. Oh, and so you basically, you, basically you are eating plastics. That's yeah. it. Ooh, yeah. Wow. And then he's like, okay. Now you got me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you, you don't eat fish, but obviously, if, even if you don't eat fish, obviously you, you have salt in your food, right? So yeah. everybody does, even vegetarians. So, yeah. It's very interesting. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. How can, uh -huh. uh, how can the listeners support your project? Okay. Possible? So, basically, just buy a Google's um and you can send it to me uh i'll i i have the address and then send it to me and okay. then i will what? put like a code on it and uh i will take a picture of it with the children that uh, receive uh, the goggles and then report back to you um and um also it would be much much better if the goggles are i know this is really difficult because i was trying to find a like goggles that are not made out of plastics, but it's really difficult. Um, oh, I've never seen some not made of plastic. Yeah, it's okay though, <laughs> but as, yeah. as as long as it's sturdy. Hard so, to find. Yeah, <laughs> as long as it's sturdy and it's like you know it can be used for a long time. Uh, uh, of yeah. it's not so cheap, but it's also not so expensive. So something in the middle range that these kids can actually use for quite a long time that's what i would suggest that's awesome yeah cool yeah thank you so much you are very welcome nita that was really uh, amazing uh, thanks for sharing all of this information uh with me or with us with the listeners like i i personally i learned a lot a lot of new things and um even more <laughs> curious and excited Right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's good. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, how can people find you on Instagram and social media or? Oh uh, yeah, uh, just uh, my personal account is at Happily Roaming on Instagram, um, okay. and you can also follow uh, the organization that I uh, help build uh, at peek under the surface also on instagram nice yeah i will put the links in the description ah uh, thanks so much okay.
cool. Yeah. Thank you again for your time. Thank you very much. Amazing. Yeah.